Asha city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow, where dancers cavort in forbidden operas, making love to forgetting and flame, where the wealthy play at war with silver swords and silken sashes, where the people mine the dead heart of a burning star for cannonballs and pipework, and where a thousand secrets hide in a forest of paper and ink. Here, the five key bearers reside, the five who know the secrets of the broken gates of death. Five. Five only. There is no sixth spire, forlorn and forgotten in the desert. There is no one who looks to the displaced, the poor and destitute and landless, whose ancestry has been stripped from them by foreign looms and foreign sparcraft, and no one has ever heard of the House of Endings. But this is their story. Their roots pulled up and burned, they stand in filth up to their necks. And that is precisely why they must keep their heads ever high. Welcome to Uduasha, immigrant. May it fear the name of the house you will build. Welcome to Desperate Tattoo, an actual play podcast about characters with their identities in peril, played by an international cast devoted to fiction-first gaming, collaborative world-building, and complex character drama. Last time on Desperate Tune, we began with the crew fighting off Umid's raid on their hideout. As the fight turned against him, Umid warned Mushvik not to trust Al-Qadir and tried to quietly take his leave. Mushvik wasn't having any of it. Encouraged by Bidrohi, he challenged Umid to a one-on-one fight to the death. Umid accepted the challenge, and a very silly fight broke out as each tried to outwit the other. Eventually, Umid managed to disengage and run out onto the streets. On the streets, Jackal and her thugs had been trying to kidnap Saida as a way to get to Bidrohi, but Saida was not to be taken so easily. She stood her ground, swinging her bladed sash in great arcs to fend off her attackers. The Fursan, Uduwasha's peacekeepers, had caught wind of the fight and were on their way to put an end to it, and just as they arrived on the scene, a mysterious dust storm gathered around Saida, protecting her and then seemingly vanishing her into thin air. Samum, the dust devil, had come and taken Saida away. It was then that Umid burst out onto the street and found himself facing not only the Fursan, but Mushvik's old friend, Zahir, as well. Mushvik followed shortly, took no heed of the gathering cops, and started berating his friend for turning up late. As the Fursan took stock of the increasingly chaotic situation, Moss came out of hiding. She noticed that one of the falconers, the top brass of Uduasha's law enforcement, was among the Fursan. In the guise of a concerned citizen, she bid him to go after all those dangerous goblanders armed with guns. The falconer, Captain Peregrine, directed the Fursan to do so, but he recognized Moss and invited himself into the crew's lair with some questions in mind. Back in the street fight, Mushvik and Zahir's argument over timekeeping seemed to take up as much of either's attention as the fight itself. Yet, somehow, in the whirlwind of clashing swords and petty bickering, Omid was disarmed and stabbed badly in the stomach. It was over, but Mushvik could not bring himself to kill this man in cold blood. It also occurred to him that murdering someone in front of the cops was a bad idea. The Fursan, having chased the Scotlanders away, stepped in and broke up the fight. Before being taken away, Omid warned Mushvik once again to never trust Al-Qadir. Back in the lair, Captain Peregrine interrogated Moss, Bidrohi, and a very nervous Al-Qadir, making some pointed remarks about a dead courier and some very important documents going missing. But Bidrohi waylaid his suspicions with a heroic display of prattling on and on at length. This made a big impression on Al-Qadir, who was now indebted to Bidrohi for getting him off the hook. It also made an impression on Peregrine, who took a perhaps unwelcome interest in Bidrohi himself. Meanwhile, in the coast field, on a rooftop that seemed at once familiar and alien, Saida woke up and found herself facing Samoon. He told her that he had seen her dancing, and it had disappointed him. 
He could teach her to be more elegant. He could teach her the dance of the desert. He didn't say the or else part out loud, but it was pretty clear. Saida, proud as ever, challenged the demon to show her that he was worthy of being her teacher, and someone was only too eager to comply. He returned her from the coast field, but when she came back she felt oddly heavy. Samum had possessed her with the dance. And here, with Captain Peregrine satisfied that the crew were only acting in self-defense, and Saida back in the land of the living, the score came to a close. So I guess everyone is gathered inside the room, Peregrine yeah. leaves, like Saida and Sherikatab go inside, and then you pull off the sheet. And I think Alcada genuinely jumps in shock because he'd forgotten that necktie was there. <laughs> <laughs> what a goddamn moron. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna gingerly poke necktie with my toe and go, hmm, is it still alive? Uh, and necktie looks up as you poke him and goes Brother, you can ask me directly. <laughs> If I were dead, oh, yeah. I wouldn't answer you, now would I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it depends on how good your manners are. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm very well-mannered. That's why they call me Necktie. I'm almost nicely dressed. Except not right now, because, you know, we were undercover. He says with a little smile. In fact, is he nicely dressed? I'm going to look him up and down. Uh, at the moment, he, he is not so nicely dressed, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe oh, because true. they were undercovered, or maybe because he's just bullshitting you. Because his name is not Necktie because he wears nice yes. neckties. His name is Necktie because he hangs people. So. Yes, of course. <laughs> please do not strip this man in front of everyone. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. I, I said, please do not strip this man in front. Of, don't take his clothes in front of everyone. Uh, yes. No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, just look at them. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. He's wearing your pretty typical, like, very utilitarian, practical clothes. So, like a broad belt, some nice loose pants, a slightly unbuttoned shirt. That's probably the only nice feature is this, like, slightly unbuttoned shirt that shows off his very hairy chest. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I yeah. shake my head. I shake my head at it. I think um, uh, as this is happening, Saida will walk in uh, unlit cigarette still in her hand because not only is smoking bad for you, but also I don't think she found a matchbox. Um, and she just looks at this this site and says, um, "So you invited a falconer into the lair, and then you tied this man up." No, no, we tied him up, and then we invited the falconer to the lair. Okay, and I presume the falconer didn't know he was tied up. No, no, he was hiding behind. He was hidden behind this curtain that Sarah and I we picked up together. Okay. Mm, if anything, I think tying him up was kind of redundant because if I recall, I uh, smashed his knee. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, well, I'm going have... to poke yeah. the knee, like, you know, yeah. just go, yeah, like, yeah, there's something. Yeah. Yeah, he he has the expected yeah. reaction of pain. In fact, I think what you notice about Necktie is not only does he like scream in pain as you poke his knee, he actually overdoes it because he's learned that this is a smart thing uh, when you're captured. It's better to look yes, more hurt correct. than you actually are. Okay. Yeah, I wonder how yeah, he found that out. Oh, yeah, I wonder how he found. That I think out. I'm just going to say, um, boss, didn't I tell you never to leave your enemies alive? Why is this one still alive? It's polite to kill him now. Is in our home. It was a close call situation, you know. I was holding my breath the whole time. Uh, didn't seem like a very good idea to, you know, say this immediately. It might have 
make everybody made everybody angry and caused a stir that we didn't mm. want. Like a, a stir, no. somewhat like oh, I don't know, two different gangs turning up at our lair, fighting with us. Mostly because they appear to hate some of us now, and I'm going to look at um, at Bidrohi and say, "Don't think I didn't notice that the jackal was basically here to fuck with you." So really, it seems like both of you, Mushfiq and Bidrohi, either need to kill these people or have them fall in love with you so that you can kill them after you've had sex with them. You have to pick one. Oh, but Mushrik dealt dealt with his problem, right? Didn't didn't you, Mushrik? I I thought it was a very elegant, I thought it was very elegant solution. Just like poison on your sword, right? I'm sorry, um, I missed that part. Um, Moth is assuming yeah. you poisoned your sword and actually <laughs> killed Omid, which you didn't do, but that's what she's assuming. Absolutely, Mushrik. Good thinking. We should poison this dude. Do did this dude too before we throw him in the river. Then whenever he dies, you know, like it won't be tied to us. Excellent. Do you have any more poison? Uh, uh no, I must have used it all up. I will say, looking around, like you know, where's where's this coming from? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, uh-huh. but we have a prisoner, and he can tell us lots of things about what the hell was going on. He can. Yeah. Necktie looks up at at Mushfik, and I think he says, the. Uh, your little brother makes a good point there. You want to get that Omid and the people who sponsored him? Hell, I'm just in it for the money, you know? How likely is it that this is the, that necktie is the person? Oh, no, no, it was the Scovlander who was interested in the sash, right? Ah, okay, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, it was the Scovlanders yeah. that have taken an interest in the sash. Yeah, necktie yeah. is no. not tied to this. But let's not let's not forget also that we have a guest and we might uh, deeply upset him if we just murder start murdering our prisoners. Yeah. Why didn't we? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Alcader looks nervous again and he says, "Oh, uh, friends, I I'm not so easily offended. I'm not a squeamish man. Sometimes one has to do practical things with uh, people who know ah. too much." He says, and he glares very angrily at Nectai. Yeah, and I'm gonna say that given w- the information that I got from. Omid, or well, the feeling that I got from Omid. Like, I want to say, like, actually, I think Mr. Al Qadir should sit in for this discussion. Oh, Al Qadir, I didn't even see you. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, if he if he might be able to tell us more than a prisoner, right? Uh, so I think we're gonna sit down facing him, and I assume Al Qadir is going to sit next to oh, us. This is an interview, right? and I'm gonna yeah. say, and I'm gonna go, no, no, no. No, I was huh? just making a joke about how this is an interview panel. Yeah, well, I'm gonna and I'm gonna like, signal to Alcada and go. No, 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 you're not sitting on this side of the interview. You're sitting on the other side of the interview. <laughs> he awkwardly sits down on a little stool next to the tied-up prisoner and goes like, "Well, I'm sure this isn't necessary, but of course, I'll answer any questions you might have." Uh, I think Moss is still like, still like grinning and still kind of like bouncing her foot. Uh, but she has this like kind of amicable look that just lingers on him too long and says, Yeah, yeah, well, explain what we just said. Uh huh. So, who are you asking to explain, Necktie or Alcadar? Who are you asking to explain? Alcadar is Alcadar needs to explain. Uh, A lot just Mm -hmm. happened, yeah, yes. So, he splays out his hands and he says, Well, friends, I will come totally clean with you. 
totally clean. You can hide from the truth, but you cannot run away from it. And he like straightens his vest a little bit, and he says, uh, "It uh, it so happened that I I happened to have some some dealings with Omid, and and then Nectar just cuts him off, and he just goes like, he hired us. Uh, <laughs> like, I wouldn't say I hired you. I may have exchanged money for goods or services, but mm. that's totally mm. different." Mm. I think Saida is just going yeah. to um, look at Necktie and Alkadar and say, um, and you exchanged money for goods and or services like presumably violence, murder. You all remember, Ketris. There were people there who were very much not of the people. Gentlemen who didn't care at all for the common folk who, who sold us out, sold us up the river almost quite literally, to the the threshing machines and the Akarosi inventions. I got wind of such a gentleman <clears throat> traveling through the uh, desert. He sent ahead. And I thought, uh, what an opportunity for us common folk to take some revenge. All I remember from Kethmis is that there's approximately a 50% chance that I knew that courier. And I think Saida also like leans forward and says, um, "Yeah, murdering a man in the desert is cursed." And I think you know this. Wait for him to enter the city. Murder him here. Yeah, Alkader goes like, "Well, I didn't do it. He did." And he points at Necktie. Mm. <laughs> like... All right, Necktie, what did you do? Uh-huh. Good. Hey. Yeah, yeah, necktie. Who necktie is not like beating around the bush. He's not a guy who's good at lying. So he goes like, yeah, pretty much the guy, that guy, hired us, told us there was some good loot on a caravan, paid us some up front, gave us all the intel. All he wanted was one lousy little piece of paper. That's all he wanted. We figured it sounded like a good deal, and then Omid figured him out. Mm, but didn't figure him out. Didn't figure him out before. He screwed you over, right? You had already... But figured what out? What's happening? What was the whole, you know, the, ho- the whole hullabaloo? Uh, I don't know the details, but that piece of paper, the one we passed on to him, it's the only thing of value on the whole caravan. The rest was just scraps. Couldn't sell it worth anything. That sounds like a failure of your entrepreneurial sp- spirit. Okay? Okay. <laughs> he he sighs for a moment and he goes like, "Hey, hey, Omid makes the decisions." Pitrohi, okay? <laughs> I need I need you to never use the words entrepreneurial spirit ever again. Hmm? This is very important. Uh-huh. Those two words do not mean whatever it is you think they mean. Now, you necktie. Yeah. You say Omid figured this out, but presumably it was after they handed the papers over, right? Yep. Figured out pretty quickly, in fact, because as soon as news of the caravan going down came out, uh, well, Iraqian folks in this town started asking a lot of questions about that piece of paper. I figured they probably would. Now, here's the last thing that I'm, kind of, I'm somewhat interested in. What did Omid think he was going to do with it once he got his hands on it? Uh, sell it, I think. There's not everyone from mm. Kethris is dirt poor, you know? There's some pretty well-off people in the foreign quarter who would love to 
I don't know, have that thing. Memorabilia, land deed, whatever it is. Yeah, he yeah, has yeah. no idea what the paper is. He just knows that there are yeah, yeah there are people with money. Oh, they want yeah. the paper because it confers status. Yeah. So I think what I'm gonna do is, uh, like, once I get that, like, this guy is like, you know, he's given us mostly everything that like is of interest. I will just say, um, yeah, look, either we use the paper for what it's meant for, or we cash out. Now, we use it could be useful to us. Definitely it'll ruffle some feathers. We sell it worth a pretty penny. It's not gonna help you, me, or even the people that Al Qadr said he wanted to help. Between you and me, I don't think the time for I think the time for being cowards is long past and I think we better do the thing. But I suppose I should let all of you have a say. I agree. Yeah, that's a few more questions, though. Where was this document heading? Mushfiq! Sorry, ask him, ask him. Uh, I think Necktie just kind of shrugs, but Alkader, who has clearly been doing his, his research, right, says, ah, well, uh, you see, there's uh, there are some people from Ketheris in town with, with money, just as he said, and uh, some of them were aiming to incorporate uh, here. I thought, Maybe after their caravan got tragically attacked, we could uh, collaborate on the matter, and I could swoop in as a a hero to the lady in question. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, sir, you're saying that this that this is the same people whose caravan was being attacked, and whose thing that you have, right? And then you were going to give it back to them. Uh. Yes. Very unsuspicious, sir. In so many words, he says, very proud of himself. Clearly, this is very <laughs> unsuspicious. His plan is flawless. Sir, you should tell you should <laughs> tell us who this lady is, and also, is she single? <laughs> ah, she is. That is the crux of the matter, you see? Huh? You see? Yes, of course. Uh, I, I knew that that waistcoat you brought in was new and very special. I, I see it. Okay. Yeah, he, he smiles and winks at you. He goes like, yeah, you and me, we get each other. <laughs> <laughs> and sir, what is this What is this lucky lady's name? Uh, okay, so uh, I think he will mm. tell you the story. We'll zoom out a little bit, yes. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so her name is Priti Chandra Videha. She is, or maybe it's Videha. She mm. is, uh, yeah, of the gentleman Ketrisi people, but she has no actual proof on it because Ketris mm. was all kinds of fucked up, right? So it's exactly as people say. She has money. Mm. She technically has the title, but she needed this document to be transferred from friends, relatives, mm. contacts, whatever she had going on back in Ketris. And uh, from what Alcada tells you, once she had this and has proven herself as like having noble Ketrisi status in uh, Udwasha, she was just basically going to use it to marry into one of the noble families here. It's one of those, like, I have proven that I'm important over there, but, you know, having nothing else to your name, you can marry into yeah. a nice family because you've proven yeah. your pedigree, and then that's that. And from that point on, the paper's kind of worthless yeah. to her. But... Mm-hmm. All right. As he's talking, I'd like to just kind of, like, good, good cop a little bit and get them some water. Mm. Both yeah. him and Necktie. Yes. Yeah, I think Necktie appreciates it. And, yeah... Alcadar 
throughout this whole, he keeps being evasive because that's the kind of person he is, and Nekta is just yeah. 100% playing along because he I wants think, to survive. I um, think, out so. of character, <laughs> what would be very funny is if um, Bidrohi tries and courts this woman uh, because it's bound to go badly. What do you mean? Indeed, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. That, that reaction yeah. is all I'm looking for. Um, yeah. But I think that in character, Saida is not super interested in giving the paper away. So yeah. if there's no, a way to kind of like use it to get the claim that you were talking about, the blue code intimidation, and like kind of use it for ourselves, yeah. but also like fictionally leverage that use so that Bidrohi yeah. can do we the can thing. Yeah, we can zoom this out. We can zoom this out to the payout stage, yeah. right? Yeah. So <laughs> you basically have two options. If you sell the paper to Vidaha or to someone else on the black market, it's worth 10 coin because it's incredibly valuable to be able to prove that, you know, you are a noble house. Yep. If you fill it out with your own names and register it into the bureaucracy of Uduasha, mm-hmm. then basically you will no longer have the suspicious paper because it will be folded away somewhere in Kagasaranya. Yeah. But you will be recorded as being like, oh, it turns out these Ankatam people were actually noble. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah, and with that title will come a claim, Blue Coat Intimidation, because, yeah, once you're properly registered in Uduasha as a foreign noble house, that affords you certain privileges. Yeah, and the thing I think... I feel like... Oh, go on. I feel, I feel like the most... That is by far the most the most valuable option, right? Yeah, yeah I think so because, too. Because, like, nobility confers so many bonuses, like, socially. Yeah. Uh, that it's yeah. like worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think... like mechanically, it's a claim, and it's also you know it's it's a very minor noble title to be clear. It yeah, just goes like you are someone who matters in a different city, but it does confer a lot of privileges besides just the claim, and it does make you formally the House of Endings. Yes, it's also just really cool. Yeah. 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 Yes. And this is how I'm going to spin it to uh, our friend uh, Al Qadir Al Qatam and say, sir. Okay, it's a very good idea. We shall, how about this? You bring us more into the plan. We take the paper and then we register it under our names. No, no, sir, I I see that you're looking suspicious, but see, this way, we take all the heat and all the things onto ourselves and you still get to be the man of the people and no one says things like, oh, he just wants to be a gentleman and so on and, and all that. No, no, you get to stay very cool, very, very proletarian. Yes, I know this word. Very good. And we are the people. If anyone wants to come and make fuss, they come and make fuss at us. And we know what to do. And meanwhile, you and I, we, you and us, we can stay in partnership and we can steer the course of the Ketrisi people properly. Okay? And I'm saying this as I'm steering him out the door. Yeah. He <laughs> says, like, ah, I see you're a man of culture. Well, let me think a little bit about it. We will come to a conclusion. But either way, help me get the lady, will you? <laughs> oh, so he thinks he's yes, gonna yes. get the lady? Bidrohi is the wrong yes. person we're talking to about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Sir, the lady shall be very much gotten. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, <laughs> excellent, my friend. I knew I could trust you. I knew I could trust you, brother. Ah. Uh, okay, very wait. Good. So maybe maybe I didn't cast this part. His plan was to actually marry yes. this person. Yeah, yeah. His uh, plan was to turn up, be like, "Hey, sup? I got your favor. <laughs> Please pay me." And also, uh, <laughs> I have this paper. Like it, his plan, to be clear, was he would turn up with the paper, and then go like, "Hey, sup? I'll get mm-hmm. this to you. I have this paper because I am also a noble, you see, and I'm just 
you know, giving you this as a favor. Please marry me. <laughs> his plan has many holes in it, but that yeah. was his plan. Okay. And now there's a new hole, which is that yes. he will not have the paper anymore. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, That's right. I think, like, mm -hmm. the only... Uh, the thing that Saito's probably thinking is having railed against nobility and how terrible they are all this time, am I really gonna, you know, just just use the system in this way, but I think she's going to ultimately decide that it's better than not doing it, and um, mm -hmm. she will feel better knowing that this is how expensive it is, so it's it's worth 10 coin, so mm -hmm. if I'm using it, then you know what, must really be that valuable. Mm -hmm. Okay, then I think let's do the payoff phase. Um, can I? Can I still talk to the, to the, the sorry, brain? The necktie. Necktie real quick. Absolutely. I, I still want to ask him, mm -hmm. what did you do with the body? He says, ah, well, you know how it is out there. Haunted as hell. You don't want anything to follow you. But it is what it is. <clears throat> he kind of grimly coughs, and then he says, uh, iron stake uh, through the heart. Right, right. All right. And I take his leg cup. Uh -huh. uh, and set it aside and draw my dagger. Mm -hmm. And I look him in the eye and start cutting his bones. Oh, and I say, ah. you get that uh -huh. back to me. And once you bring, have brought the body to us, I will give you the antidote to the poison I just gave you. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> and I haven't given him poison, but you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the thing here is, uh, he will believe you. I think you have him at your mercy. I don't think there's an action mm. role here. It's not interesting. Mm -hmm. The thing here for him is posting, getting back a corpse from the desert in this setting is a, a problem and a half because ghosts... I know. <laughs> He's taking precautions, but... Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's his problem. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll see. Yes. <laughs> we will see if he survives this endeavor. We have outsourced the problem. Yeah. You and I both know that there are ways. Yeah, that there are ways. Yes. Well, yes. yes. Uh, sorry, I, I sorry I spoke over you. I needed to make the joke. Please continue. It's all right. No, no, no. no. I I also spoke over you and within. <laughs> well, I apologize. Uh, you and Necktie both know the ways, and I guess you don't need to say more than that because he knows the ways too. Like he is a hardened. He attacked a guy in the desert. You don't know do that unless you know what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, so. and I think there is a big cultural taboo against it as well, right? Because um, uh, yeah, of all of the things that can get you out in the desert, other people really shouldn't be uh, one of them. And I think I, yeah. I imagine that like like one way to police that would be to literally have guards everywhere. But another way would be to like for everyone to know that is really not done, right? Like it's like um, yeah. yeah. It is really not done, yeah. And so, what? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, what we have learned here is that Omid and his gang are incredibly cynical yes. people. Yeah. Like maybe they have reasons. No, for sure, it, but, but they are. They are not people who respect traditions or taboos or like obeying the nobility. Uh, Omid is a a guy who has lost faith mm. in any higher yeah, principles, that makes sense. right? And there is a reason for that. We saw that in like the moment of humanity, but he is. He yeah. is a cynic yeah. at heart. All right. Uh, can we do payoff? You have released Necktie, and <laughs> yes. we will see how he does. Right. 
and in fact, I think, yeah, I'll get to it, uh, Emma. We will see if maybe he becomes your contact. It hinges on whether he survives this or not. We shall see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, starting with payoff, uh, you gain rep and coin, uh, possibly. I don't think there's any coin right. in this, but you do yeah. get the claim. So uh, I'm marking blue coat intimidation minus two heat per score, which I suppose applies now because why not? This happens before the heat. Uh, then you gain two rep by default. If the target of the score is higher tier than you, the target is, I suppose, the Jezailis, who are tier what? Two, I think. Omid's gang, two. two, yeah. So then you get four rep. Nice. In total? Yeah. I'm renaming Blue Code Intimidation to Noble Title. Yeah. Noble Privileges. Mm, nice. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think we will do anything with coin. You neither get get any nor spend any. To yeah, I think that makes sense in this yeah. moment. Yep. And uh, what about heat? So, I think this was loud and chaotic, not wild and devastating, because most of it was in your mm -hmm. lair. And there was some arcane stuff as well that even if the gangs didn't notice, it would have like yep. you know some people would have noticed that. So four heat. Okay, someone's marking it. Good. Uh, Add plus one heat for a high-profile or well-connected target. I think this counts because the paper itself is high-profile or well-connected. So I think we're applying it here. Mm -hmm. uh, and Al-Qadr and Khatam is a local, yeah. is a local figure. <laughs> yes. Uh, it didn't happen on Hostile Turf. You were not at war with another faction. And killing was not involved. No yes. one died. But we have right. an extra rule for gunshots. Yes. So you do mark one more heat for a gunshot, which was cool. a consequence of other NPCs making stuff. So you don't quite have a wanted level. As mentioned, I think the Fursana regarding this says, you know, it was a minor gang yeah. skirmish. We're not happy about it. But we're not we're not going to like go out and arrest anyone just yet. Maybe because there is still the entanglement role. Yes. Wonderverse, mm -hmm. the immigrants are beating each other up all the time. Yeah. So I'm going to roll your entanglement now and we'll see what happens. No wanted levels. So Gang trouble or the usual suspects. So either your gang causes trouble or the blue coats grab someone in the periphery of your crew. One player volunteers a friend or vice purveyor is the person most likely to be taken. Make a fortune roll to find out if they resist questioning. I think this one makes sense and it's probably going to be out yeah. there, right? Yeah. Like people are going to ask him questions. No, that makes perfect sense, to be honest. Um. Uh huh. And so uh, you don't have any coin no, which yeah. to pay off the yeah. sun, so. I'm just going to roll for him to see how well he resists questioning. And he has zero dice at this yeah. because no, no, I he's, he's a he's good at resisting yeah, yeah. questioning. He still uh, rolls two fours, though. But he... <laughs> Magnificently, he rolls a four, so you don't take yeah. more heat. Yeah, somehow. amazing. I mean, maybe he really, really thinks that this is all going to work out. He just needs to, like, keep his nerve. Yeah. Uh, Alcadar somehow keeps steady even though he encounters some rough questioning from some other individuals. Basically, I think he doesn't call in any more favors with you because he's called in yeah. so many favors and he's going to get roughed up by a bunch of people asking him questions and he'll deal with it. Yep, it's fine. don't worry about it. And the next thing I'm going to roll immediately is hmm. for necktie. And I'm giving him two dice because his crew is, his faction is tier two. And we will see how he does. This is not related to the entanglements, but I think it's something that happens immediately during oh. downtime. Interesting. And he rolls a four, which means that he survives. If he had failed this roll, he would just go out into the desert yeah. and never come back again. 
so I think we'll see the exact consequence of this mm -hmm. down the line. Uh, or maybe we should... Uh, is there anything else we want to do before downtime? Otherwise, I think it can be interesting to have a scene with this guy as he returns. Yeah, I, I'm mostly um, planning on uh, uh, downtime actions and then maybe free play after seeing what the downtimes do. Uh, so I don't need anything to happen immediately. Um, I'm going to flag that there's a very important scene that has to happen where we tell our mother that we are now nobility. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. There are important free places to happen. I just want to stay on resolving yeah. this event from for the sure, for sure, score. For sure. So, okay. Uh, Moss, then. There will be a scene with Necktie. Mm -hmm. And he will come back to you. Uh, he will come back to your lair, and he is in a bad way. He is, like, pretty scratched up. He is, uh, looks very dehydrated. And he has the haunted look in his eyes of someone who's been out into the Deathlands and the deserts. And he uh, he comes back to you with a uh, pretty, pretty much, I guess, to your lair. That's where he knows where to find you, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you asked him to meet you somewhere else. No, I think this is where he arrives. He stumbles in, like, basically fresh from the desert. And he goes, okay, sister. I, I did what I could. I really did. I rented a I rented a damn horse. You know how expensive those are. I, I tried to get the the body back. I didn't make it. I'm sorry. And he looks like yeah, he, he's convinced you poisoned him, right? And he is absolutely basically on his knees begging for mercy. And the nice thing is, of course, that he, because he went into the desert and came back, he he feels so shit that he can't even tell whether it's the poison or anything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he is. His head is pounding. He is like he didn't die, but he also didn't succeed. So. Yeah. Uh, and then she like breaks. She like looks at him for like a second, and then breaks into a grin and like slaps him on the shoulder and says, "Ah, it's all good. Things happen. I'm gonna make you some tea." <laughs> thank you, sister. Ah, oh, thank you. And he will stumble inside your lair. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll make him some tea, and I'll put some like spices in that, and like mm. make it seem as if it's doing something. Yeah. Um, I'll bring him the like in like in a little clay bowl. Um, here, this should uh, erase all your troubles. I mean that in a good way. Thank you. Thank you. You, Well, you know the desert. Damn. I don't deserve it. I know. I've done some real nasty things, sister. I, And then he just drinks down like this spiced tea, like really quickly to <laughs> help ail his ailments. And yeah, you can add him as a contact now, I think. Nice. I think right. this is just the consequence of letting him go and <laughs> uh, doing all this. So necktie a strangler. He's not a very pleasant man, but he mm -hmm. likes you now. Can I confess something to you, Necktie? Your thing. Yeah. I may have found a way to do burials properly in this city. That's why I was so pointed at finding the body. Properly? Like Jethro's style? Yeah, there's a tree here. Well, not here, obviously, but 
in this in this in the area there is a it's not a very healthy tree but that means that they can grow here and it means that we can when when our people die they don't just have to be sucked into a fire or wander like desert forever yeah i think you break through to him in a in an interesting way here. I, I think same as Omid, he is Ketrisi, but also a cynic, not one who has cared terribly much about this. But in this moment, after all he's been through, he's kind of moved. And he just... I, that's a damn miracle, is what that is. That's a damn for real miracle. I think it's going to need some work to qualify as a miracle, but it's definitely the potential of one. And I tell you this because I know that you are in the business of making corpses. So if you kill someone that might need that sort of burial, you can come to me. I will remember that. Well, sorry I couldn't bury your friend. Some things are unavoidable. I would have wished better for them, though. Yeah, well, it's a dirty damn business. Yeah. yeah. Looks like you're almost at death's door. You might want to go do something about that, eh? Otherwise, I'm going to have to put you under a tree. Yeah, no, I need to get the sand off of me, he says, with a slight note of panic in his voice, because uh, the sand in the the desert around Uduasha. People say there are things in it, and they are not necessarily wrong. No, there's at least one uh, desert demon out there that, you know, eats people. Uh -huh. Yes. There's also at least one desert demon that that is really clingy and sticks to you forever. Yeah, so. apparently. Yeah. And also sand lice, probably. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. and God, also sand lice. Worst. Why would you say that? Oh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Mekhtai will strangle, uh, stagger outside. He will not strangle anyone in this moment. He will stagger outside. Strangle outside. It's been, it's been too long. Three months yes. I've been outside. Need to get my fix. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think what you learn from Nektai going to do this is that at least they didn't kill the courier very far from Uduasha, which is smart, right? You don't yeah. want to mm -hmm. go too deep, too crazy for it. Yeah. yeah. So he could come back pretty quickly having made his attempt, but, but anyway, during that, probably the time it takes you to get this, this document stamped in Kagasaranya anyway. So, which is the, uh, the bureaucracy district of the city. Yes. It means the paper forest, I think. Correct. Just for the listeners. Yep. Uh, anyway, yes, I suppose that is that. That's our first score, and we Excellent. have still... How long do we have to continue? Hourish. Yeah, I think about an hour. Mm. So we could do some downtime. Okay. Um, yeah, let's do some downtime, and then we have the free pay of talking to mom. Yeah. And... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've got some ideas for uh, what I want to do, but it doesn't have to be first, so if anyone else would like to do something else. I imagine some other people may be needing to release trust, but I look, I don't because I trauma up. I also trauma up. Mm. Trauma gang. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I think I'm going to release stress, but that's a whole thing. 
<laughs> okay. I, think I, I think it's better that somebody else uh, I okay. want this. Start a long-term project. OK, sure. We can start with Bidruhi then. Mm -hmm. And I want to involve Saida in this scene. Mm -hmm. cool. And it's going to be us, I think, like probably a few days after the score. Uh, you're always there in the lair, right? You're like the most regular person. Yeah, there. I mean, I turn up in the morning and I leave in the evening because I believe that, like, you got to be professional about this. I mostly hang out, read a book, and do my sword drills, but you know. Okay. I think this day you come in and you find that I'm already there. Wow, what a surprise. And I'm like, yeah, and I have a broom. And I'm trying to sweep things aside. Uh, and then I see you. And I, and, I, and I kind of like uh, give you a big smile and say, oh, hello, auntie. Just the person I was hoping to see. Uh, good morning, Bidrohi. Uh, is there some reason you are trying to clean? I am trying to clean because, you see, it's occurred to me. I mean, oh, maybe you didn't know. But you know the rising moon when we were more than just a converted blacksmith with a moldy sofa and like you know uh cushions here and there and like us if all cramped into this small space before that we used to have a little bit more we used to have like a nice little training space actually like very proper like old ketri style we had like the sunken floor we had a little uh votive idol in the corner it was very proper and we don't have that anymore and how can we be a sword school in the kithri style if we don't have that mm. so some local pride finally showing up mm. i i'll be honest i had mostly lost hope but this is a good development mm. i am thinking auntie that what we need is a little bit more space because okay we can move the sofa aside and and like fill in the secret room for you know uh that we have like for this and that purpose we can move the vault away a little bit but to be honest what we'll be left with is a space that's like barely big enough to move three so for two people to have a sword fight in much less a big class right in fact, I'm forced to agree with you. I Yes, you are absolutely right. Okay. Very good, auntie. I am very glad that we are in agreement and that we are having a good discussion. And I think what we should be doing is... Okay, I'm cleaning up the place now because it seems at least might as well start here. Start small. But then house next door. Okay, you know what they do there? I will be honest with you, I have no idea. In the house next door, they have a, they, in the house next door, they have a little drug den. Oh. It's not yeah, it's not it's not you it's not one of those drug dens where you go in and then you buy the drugs and then you go in the back and so on. It's just a place where the druggies show up and they do drugs. It's a it's the sort of place that people who do drugs, they need. And we can't really blame them for that. But I think we could make a better use of that space. Ayo, you want to push the, 
pour druggies out of their drug den so we can have sword fights in it yes mm-hmm. okay i think you are not wrong that we could use the space but uh tell me how much do you know about the traditional catrisy school only what my father taught mm-hmm. me well i'm sorry to tell you that uh, your father he was and let me be brutally honest he was a good swordsman uh but he was not what you might say particularly interested in tradition and catrisy has never been really truly a, an indoor kind of you know here in udwasha they build have building catrisy style is very uh tends to prefer wide open spaces and the kind of drug den that you are talking about i suspect will not be great so really what we would have to do is kick them out and then demolish the place okay now if that's what you're suggesting there's two ways we can do it in my view and the first mm-hmm. is to turn up kick them all out and demolish it and that would be easy and then they would hate us the second way to do it is to make it so that it would be in their interest we could be nice about it we could figure out what they want we could maybe even build them another place somewhere else that they could go that's probably safer and less you know unclean and if we did that some of them might even join us anti i like this you're using the incentive structure to bring them in to our organization okay so now we have three phrases it is uh entrepreneurial spirit it is proletariat and now it is incentive structure i'm keeping this in mind pidrohi please don't worry okay very good so using a renumerative okay. system four phrases we shall bring them in <laughs> <laughs> okay so we are going to go <laughs> ஒரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ரிஜினல்ர
see what you can do to get access to yeah, this. Then I think I'll assist mm-hmm. you. No, no, none, no, 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 none of the. I, I'm fine. I've had all the black lotus I want for the day. Mm-hmm. Yes. More black lotus for you. <laughs> and I think like mm-hmm. Saida again. Um, tempted not by black lotus. Oh, by by tobacco. I think that's her real like. She used to do it a very long time ago, and yeah. now that she's back in the city, it is once more available. And she's like, mm, it's not good for me, but man. Yeah. yeah. Let's see this roll and see what sort of yeah. people these druggies are like. Nice. Oh, it's a six. Very reasonable druggies. Yes, very <laughs> reasonable I think one of them may have a grandmother exactly like uh-huh. me. Yeah, so I think uh, Bidra, he talks to them, and uh, one of the leaders of the little ga- little gang, right? He's like, oh man, you got an elder with like wisdom oh, of the man. eastern cities. That's so radical, oh, man. Because you were from yeah, the eastern cities. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> man, share with us the the knowledge of your ancestor oh. trees, mother. I'm just gonna I'm gonna look at Kitrohi. <laughs> yes, auntie. Tell 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 us all about the Kethris and uh-huh. all the ancient traditions and all of those things. And mm-hmm. I and I and I sit alongside them, looking at her. I'm just gonna yes. look. Uh-huh. I'm gonna look at the sky and then pray to my mothers who have been dead for a long time to give me strength. And I'm gonna start with something like a long time ago yeah. in a land far away, there was an evil mm-hmm. empire that was trying to uh-huh. take over a small planet or something. You know, whatever. I just basically said the first five sentences of Star Wars. Yeah. Probably not going to be Star Wars, but you know what I mean, right? Like yes. some very well-known cultural uh, that I like. I yes. humor these people, I guess. But I think, yeah, um, uh-huh. it's a good start. It's three ticks. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the scene. Unless Saeed I, I think I will, but not well, right now. But um, I got some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's stay on Bidrahi because I find it less confusing as everyone does their two downtime actions in order. Then we can pay ref possibly to do more ones. So what's Bidrohi's second thing? Yeah. In fact, uh, since I is still here, I think after we have had this conversation, uh, as we're heading out, I'll say, Auntie, I couldn't help but notice that you have been moving your feet around a lot. Ah, uh, you noticed that, did you? Of course. Uh, and I must say, I, I, I like... I like that little movement you're making with your ankle all the time. It's uh, it's really quite something that you can do that complex movement and still move normally and still have rational discourses and tell ancient ancestral traditions. Mm. Most people would feel very silly trying to do any. I don't think that I have I'm young enough to be silly anymore. Is there some reason that you're pointing at my feet now? Because it uh, it tires me. I mean, I'm sorry. I, it is very noticeable. Is one thing, and the second, yes, there is a particular reason, which is, can you show me that move? I want to sort of character. Yeah. I want to. No, that's great. Do a training um, action prowess, and I want you to show me your dance moves. So Samum is not allowed to teach Saida. Exactly. I, I think the problem here <laughs> is that Saida hates that you've asked this because you have now validated Samum. So terrible for me. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. And B, yes. uh, I have just been saying, you know what? These people are, should be allowed to make their own decisions. So you know what? Fine. Fuck this. 
Um, but I think what I will do, in fact, is uh, I will this restlessness that is kind of coming over me. I will like let, I will subsume myself in it, in a way, so that it is not even me that's doing the teaching anymore. Uh, it is only Samum because I don't like once this stops, I don't want to remember yeah. any of it because it's not. I'm not learning this. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. fair enough. So it's a training action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an hour later, covered in sweat, Bidra is like, saying, okay, okay, that's okay, okay, Andy, that's yeah. enough. That, and yeah. you're still going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It, yep, being possessed by a, a demon that is always moving is kind of annoying. Um, yeah, and I think like even like as I slow down and stop, uh, you know, rewrap the sash around me because I have to continue moving. Um. I will, once I come back into myself, I will just say, um, I hope you've learned your lesson about asking me for training. Hmm? No, auntie, that was, uh, that was some sure. of the best dancing I've ever seen. And oh my God, it's, it's, so, it's so rare that I'm like winded. I, I will come back once I'm rested. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow again, we shall do yes, okay? Tomorrow again, we shall. Oh, where is that Mushfiq? I have to go talk to him. I think... We are done, no? Please, I'm going. Bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. that transitions into either Mushfiq or Saida's next downtime. Maybe Saida's next downtime. Yeah, yeah so good. I think that like... I am okay. free. Um, mm-hmm. Do I find you at the boarding house? Yeah, um, I would say that I would probably also be maybe um, trying to get rid of some of the stress, but we can do that together or oh in that case i mean in that case why don't you why don't you do your stress relief first and then i'll come find no, you because we could i mean the, the stress relief thing could happen like this because my stress relief is food so you might also find me yeah, yeah. so it probably happens at the same time so you're at sundari right. tandoori uh-huh which yes. is a restaurant mm. what are you eating i yeah, want to know tell me a little exactly bit about this restaurant eating. this sundari tandoori i guess the vibe is not like super fancy food but no. like very rustic good food yeah or... i have this idea that mm-hmm. like maybe like mushvik has been like the food that he had back in Ketris, like in the fighting the militia was so like just bare bones that in the mm-hmm. food with any flavor is heavenly yeah. so yeah, he's just having uh like he's just having like uh like a a naan or like a porta and he's just dipping it into this kind of uh, coriander mint sauce and that's it like there's nothing else but but he's like <laughs> like just yeah. like mm, like oh and like make a really loud noise while all the other patrons are like you know uh, just yeah. getting away from him a bit like oh, <laughs> so you're it's not that your vice is necessarily food it's like flavors so spices and things yep yeah well, yeah uh, <laughs> yep so coriander mint sauce this is where we find mushfik and uh, yeah i guess we can tie the actions together uh why not so let's uh, you can indulge your vice and we'll see if anything dramatic happens here right if you overindulge then maybe it does if not then maybe you just have a nice meal and there's nothing more to it so i don't think i can really overindulge uh you can you have five stress so if you roll a six you will so uh, go ahead and indulge, Vice, and we'll see like if this is a dramatic scene Saida walks in on, or if you're just enjoying your coriander mint sauce. Let us indulge. Oh, well, how about that? 
Yeah, it's a five. It's exactly right. So yeah. this is the oh, best possible nice. indulge rice roll. So I guess, yeah, it's a perfect meal. The sauce is just right, and the bread is freshly baked and yeah. just wonderful. So you're just having a great time. And maybe the other patrons are eyeing you a bit strangely. Yeah. I think, but I think it's one of those like people who don't know you think you're some kind of food critic writing for the newspaper, right? Just like slowly savoring. <laughs> And taking in every aspect of the bread, they're like, oh, man. Mm. Yeah, and I guess this is where Saida finds you. Yeah, so I think uh, I will turn up uh, and then I'll wave at, like, uh, uh, someone who's, like, kind of, like, uh, idly sitting. And I will say, uh, ah, one, one chai. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just sit down. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think this is the sort of place where, like, the food is good, but the service is no one cares. So, yeah. oh, so yeah. Yeah, someone exactly. will throw down some chai in front of you in, in a moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's no, exactly. there's no real conversation. Um, this is yeah. like, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, no. Yep. Which is perfect, right? Um, and I will look at Mushfiq and say, um, so it seems uh, Bidrohi is... Uh, very enthusiastic about our little sword school. I thought I might speak to you about some related matter if you're not doing anything else. Uh, yeah, and Moshwick says, um, we are on to um, um, Yeah, um, yeah. It's okay. You can, you can just eat. It's okay. Please don't. If you die, it'll be bad for everybody. Um, takes He swallows his food, takes a, like a big gulp of water uh, to wash it down, goes... Uh yeah, okay. Like, uh, 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 plans? Uh, sure. What plans? Like, um, I, I, well, I mean, knowing Pedro, he is. I mean, if he's trying to, uh, him being serious about the third school is uh, probably gonna, what? Like, gonna have a girls-only section where he's the only teacher, that kind of thing. If he tries that, let me tell you, I will train all the girls to beat to beat him. Mm. So, do not worry about that. Haha, I'm into that. No, he... Uh, yes, but it, it, I, I will learn what you're into and train them to do exactly I'm not actually that. in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think uh, uh, Saida says... Um, well, I think... some. Let me tell you, if you don't mind me wandering down memory lane, some many years ago, maybe even as many as, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, uh, I was in Uduwasha and I trained for some, let us say, two years at the Falling Star School, the school that, you know, everybody talks about it, everybody thinks it's so amazing, everybody can't shut up about it. And, well, I... Uh, I came to Uduwasha because I had, quite frankly, seen everything there was to see in Ketris. Then I tried to see everything there was to see in Uduwasha, and I failed miserably. And it galls me to admit it, but the man who ended up completely humiliating me is now an Ustad of the Falling Star School. Do you know, do you know Jay Clev? Mm, well, I can say I've heard of him. Well, he is uh, very dangerous with a straight sword, very dangerous with a curved sword, very dangerous with a pair of swords. And my Sashwak was never 
really good enough for him, which is uh, unfortunate. Now, the reason I bring this up is that if I try and tell Bidrohi about this, he'll tell me that I should fuck him. And yeah, I don't have time for that. Mm, he does tend to do that, yes. yes. Mm. Uh, rather, what is very important is that if we try and bring the school up again, J-Clev will, he will hear that I am involved and he will get involved. And I do not think that any of you are good enough to face him. I think I am not good enough to face him. And it will be very embarrassing if one old man turns up and thrashes all of us. Do you see what I mean? Hmm. But what if, we're, what if we were all to face him together? Yes, he, was, he is good enough that he would still beat us even if we were all facing him at once. That is what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, how do you propose we solve this problem? Uh, no, I, I suppose, like, I don't know, if he's digging a kind of a big pit with spikes at the bottom and then covering up with a mat, like, and then he walks up. Is that out of the question? The problem with doing that is that if I if we do it, then first of all, I'm not convinced he would fall in. And second of all, even if he did fall in, then his friends would make sure that we fell in after him. Uh, probably one or two weeks after because they have this kind of ironic sense of humor and they would stand and laugh at us. Um, because each of his friends is as good as him. Perhaps you have heard of them. Turzan Diamond Tooth. This ring a bell. No, hmm. uh, no, I'm uh, Tarzan. Uh, no, no. Well, oh, not to worry. Yeah. You will hear of them <laughs> sooner or later. So it is what it is. Rather, Kansas yeah. School suffers from a lack of innovation. We have not, we have not adapted, and so we are dying. I think, uh, like, uh, Bushwick is nodding along. He kind, of, he kind of turns around, like, just signals to someone, and he's like, you know, just uh, another one, please. Yeah, another mm. one. Um, yeah, yeah. He turns back and he goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, innovation. Um, uh, auntie, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Where, um, uh, when it comes to the uh, swordsmanship, like, uh, Mayusad, like, it was more on the, the pragmatic. Uh, side of things, right? And I know that uh, maybe uh, my specific uh, swords style uh, may not be up to th- up to the standards that you're uh, setting here. But do you think that maybe yeah, what am I getting at? I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, do you think that maybe we can just? Hmm. Actually, wait. Let me, let me rephrase that. Sorry. So. Um, Saida's saying that the school is dying because there's no, like, the school's not innovating, right? I think, so basically what she's saying is, look, as we are, A, we're going to get targeted, and B, we are not good enough to face him, and we need to change, and we need to start building something new. Hmm. And she's talking to you about it, because she's not wrong, I think, that, like, if she was speaking to Bidrohi about it, uh, they would just end up having to talk about fucking fucking. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. In that case, like, right. I, I was on the right track. I was just saying that. Look, you know, I'm my innovation for me. You know, I've always done just whatever 
I've had to do, right? That's, uh, that's how we survived in Ketris. And I feel that if we were to perhaps cast a wider net uh, in Uduwasha where, you know, there's no shortage of uh, inspiration to borrow from, Maybe the problem is we've we've always just been a a Ketrisi school, and the techniques that worked for us there, well, those you know they they may not serve us here, and we need to change. So I think what I'm getting at is, yeah, we need to open up our school to the other like uh, cultures that exist in Uduwasha and have a more holistic style. Mm. Yeah, and I think she will, uh, she says, um, you are not wrong, but I, I hate this idea, but oh, you are not wrong. Ushvik, I think that you may have to bring this up to Bidrohi. And I think that the two of you may need to spearhead this. Mm, but if I bring it up with Vidrohi, he'll just talk about fucking. This is why you must speak to him without bringing up the fact that I have ever known or even lived in Uduwasha. Mm. But until you, the problem is then he'll, he'll make it about me. Like, like look... This we board. must all make sacrifices, <laughs> and I'm afraid this is one that you will have to make. Uh, I, guess, I like uh, how, between the two of you, the problem with dealing with this master swordsman is not the master swordsman, it's Bidruhi, somehow. Look, I mean, it's just that, like, if I have to constantly, like, <laughs> deal with this, then it's annoying. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess seniority takes, uh, you know, uh, president's here, so I was like, oh, yes, auntie, I guess I'll I guess I'll talk to him. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I... If you need any help, of course, I'm happy to give it to you, and by the way, if uh, you do need to... You shouldn't do this, but if you do need to, uh, I have it on good authority that both Ustad Ankia and Ustad Turzan are, um, how you say, incredibly fucking hot. And <laughs> perhaps Bidrohi will be enticed I, by this fact. Perhaps he will not. Uh, once more, okay. I think you must sacrifice yourself in the name of the school and tell him this. So, what downtime action actually is going on here? Just to clarify. Oh, uh, I um, originally I was going to take him with me to the school, but then we just had uh, this conversation. So, yeah. you know, I don't know what it. I mean, I'd still say that it is. Um, so, I basically want to. It's kind of parallel to the um, project that uh, Bidrohi is doing, which is about like making the schools physical. Uh, stuff better. Like I want to basically make the reputation. I want to work on the reputation, right? Um, and I want to okay. foresee threats and like take care of them. Um, and A and B, I'm like 
flagging that like obviously you can't have a sword school without the falling star school arriving at some point right yeah okay so i think what it, it sounds like what you're doing is setting you up for a yes. score okay i think that's the sort yeah. of thing yeah. this is does that make sense yes that's actually great yeah so i'll tweet this as setup for a score and we will call it a i know it's score yeah it's the it's for the barracks claim yeah ah nice makes okay. sense which is uh, uh recruiting more people yeah which is on the very corner, so it's a hard score. Yeah. Mm. So let's call it a six clock to set you up for mm. this. I think setup setup clocks for scores should never be too too long unless you're doing something incredibly yeah. ridiculous. So it's a six clock, and my suggestion is that you can work on it already by just studying, right? Because you've already revealed you know a lot of these yeah. people, and now you're telling. Yeah. So maybe yeah, that's what's happening, uh, right? Like I'm just like it, talking to him about the studying that I've done, some of the poking around, all this stuff, right? Yeah, so a study or a survey or something to just know more about these people. Yeah. So call it a six clock, and I guess it's, you know, challenging the falling yeah. star is the is the goal, yeah. Like, maybe not directly challenging them and, like, beating them up. but No, no, yeah, but, like, challenging their reputation, really. Um, mm -hmm. That makes sense. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think it'll, it will be studied because I'm just much better at it than survey. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, fortune study roll. fortune roll. Uh, are you helping me? You don't have to. I'm just asking. Yeah, I'm asking Rishri. Uh yes. Uh, what? Um... Like, would you like to take the stress? Basically, like the reason I'm asking is that like you just cleared yeah. all your stress, so. Um... Oh yeah, well that means I've got lots yeah. of stress to burn. Yeah. So yeah, you can take a stress to talk this through. Yeah. I suppose, like yeah. basically, the downtime action is you guys discussing a game plan together. Yeah. I yeah. guess we can zoom out a bit and you do that yeah. out of character. All right. Oh wow! Actually. Yeah, he it's was very four. useful. To so me, two ticks, right? Because the first two uh -huh. uh, dice were ones. So I think actually you have like you're giving me some insight into this somehow. Yeah, it's really hard oh. to study something objectively when you're just distracted. Yeah, you study right. gloves, magnificent beard. I hate you. <laughs> All right. So you have studied the falling star. Let's stay with Saida a bit and do your second downtime action. And then we'll do Mushfik's second downtime action yes. and then we'll go okay, to Moss. Okay? I mean, my second downtime action, I hope... Ah, man, I gotta reestablish contact, but I do also have to deal with this fucking demon. And unfortunately, I think Mr. Dohini has to take um, a bit of a backseat because the Dust Devil... Oh my god. Uh, yeah. I need to figure something out. Yeah. So uh -huh. I have two options for uh -huh. you for the Dust Devil. Either you can just do a six clock project to mm -hmm. just get rid of it. And then that will give you a discount to using it because you'll figure yeah. it out in the process. So whatever you want to do with it yeah. later will be easier. But all the six clock will do is get rid of it. Or you can do a 12 clock to try and tame it. Yeah. Uh, but if you go for the 12 clock option, then you will have it yes. on you until you have finished that 12 clock. Let's do the 12 clock. Okay. Um, so it's a yeah. So it's a 12 clock, which means that once that finishes, you will both get rid of the problem from the demon and imbue yeah. it in your sash. But yeah. it'll be a while. Uh. I'm just gonna make this All right. uh, light as a feather, um, whatever that mm -hmm. means. Yeah, it's twelve o'clock, and yeah, I think what yeah. I'm gonna do here is um, I will. I think we see a montage of Saida, like uh, when she is uh, alone in the in the lair when there's nobody looking, and she's doing her sword drills. Basically, she's trying to get used to doing the drills with the weight, right? Um, so I think this is skirmish, but I think what's happening is that like she's trying to figure out how to like 
like make her moves even though now she's so much weighed down than she's ever been. Yeah. All right. So you're basically learning to learning the demon's fighting style kind of by fighting against it. I, I will be the teacher. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, um, makes sense. But yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it sounds like skirmish is perfect. You're yeah. dead on challenging it by not exactly sword fighting it, but yes. sword fighting Correct. despite yeah. it. So, so uh, skirmish standard zero bonus dice. It's two threes. I'm not gonna lie uh-huh. to you. It's mildly disheartening to just constantly be rolling badly, but such is life. It's one tick. All right. So yeah, one tick to the twelve clock. Yeah, you're going to be weighed yeah. down by this demon for such a while. It's not a big deal, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, those are my two actions. All right. Uh, Mushvik, do you have a second one in mind? Yes, I do. Um, I think, um, well, I guess having nothing else to do, I'll uh, start working on trying to get the, sorry, the Rising Moon School. Uh, I want to look for inspiration for uh, swordsmanship so that the school doesn't stagnate. And maybe, I don't know if Petrus is available for this. Like, so you're working on challenging the falling star, like the same project as Aida, just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and the angle being that you know she was like our school's stagnating, and I said that oh you know there's lots of yeah. inspiration to be had, yeah. and I'm gonna look well searching for that inspiration, mm-hmm. uh, and I can have the Druhi in tow if if you want, yep. or I can do this myself. Where I am always willing to help the ex- the absolute ledge share khatam. Of uh-huh. course. Yeah. Uh, what's the best? Where can we see, or where, what, what would be a good place in Uzasha to observe, I guess, people fighting? The Colosseum? Uh-huh. The Colosseum, yeah, Colosseum, probably. The question yeah. is, I guess, are you observing the Falling Star School? I don't think you are directly. You're just observing people's fighting styles. Well, the Colosseum is where the Falling Star School is, yeah. like, uh, yeah. just like where they're based. Okay, because so my, could... my, okay, so my idea is to set up, like, not go to the Coliseum as a spectator and then watch people fight in the Coliseum, but because I, I don't know, that co- they'll probably, um, you know, we'd have to buy tickets to get in and uh, all that. But no, no, I'm just going to set up in front of the Coliseum, like a little stall, and then, you know, with a big now hiring sign, like, uh-huh. show, us your, <laughs> show us your sword moves. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm picturing you that meme like you can't fight. Change my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> just sitting there sipping your coffee with that sign up. <laughs> okay. Uh, um. And uh, I guess let let's see who shows up to my okay. show. <laughs> okay. What sort of action is this? Is it a study or something? I guess it's sway. Or is it sway to try to convince people? Yeah. Or concert. Yeah. It can be uh, lots of different angles. Um, okay, I guess what I'm doing... I, I think what I'm trying to do is not actively, like, call people into my, you know, store. As in, like, you know, here you, here you, come to my yeah. store. I'm just, I'm just set up there and... Because I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing it in the most half way possible. To yeah. clarify. So... <laughs> yeah. I think survey makes sense that you're just yeah. kind of sitting there watching stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um... Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah. I might have a devil's bargain for you. Okay. Let me look at your uh, crew contacts and stuff. I'm thinking you might attract the wrong sort of attention doing this, right? Okay. So... What if we attract the attention of one of the Falling Star Swords people? Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, uh, we had a scene like the last, the only time we've seen the Colosseum in season one was uh-huh. when Faris Julika challenged Turzan Diamond Tooth to a duel outside the Colosseum, and he just beat the shit out of her. So apparently, Turzan Diamond Tooth just goes around waiting for challengers outside the Colosseum and beating the shit out of them. That's something we can okay. we have established about him. Okay, so here's your devil's bargain. Actually, uh, uh, if you're willing to take it, you don't have to take it. But I think uh, Diamond Tooth will show off his skills to you, so that's why you get the extra dice. He'll be okay. like very cool and very impressed, and uh, Faris Julika will see it, and she will be very disappointed with you. So like one of your crew contacts will be like, ah, fuck, not them too, and she'll be upset with you until this is remedied. She'll be upset. Why? Like she's the because um, this guy kicked her ass, and now he's like showing off in front of her oh, friends, oh, and his, her friends are like, "Oh wow, he's so cool." Uh okay, okay, yeah, you know what? I want to take that. Uh huh. Because okay. it's a good, it's a good opportunity to, uh, you know, like get a look at the competition as well, right? Okay, yeah. I will put down on the crew sheet. Uh, regain Julika's trust. All right. Mithra, you're here. Are you assisting in any way? Can mm-hmm. you? Yes, yeah. you know. So yeah. I'm ob- I'm observing. Uh, yeah. yeah, just take an assist from me. And yeah, I'm observing. You're uh, your two cents. Yeah. yeah. I'm observing uh, Ustad Diamond Tooth's. Uh, I guess yeah. what he's doing is his juggling some swords in front of us. So what do we know about Diamond Tooth, actually? Is he a big guy? Is he like a fast guy? What sort of fighter is he? Just to establish uh, what's going on in this scene. Shri described him last last season as built yes, like a brick. That is what house. I did. He's, uh-huh, and yeah. he's an absolute showboater, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yes. So a big man and an sh- absolute showboat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah. So here is his tags uh, from when we wrote him down were, uh, "Holy shit, he's hot! Absolute mm-hmm. idiot! Very bad poet." Yeah. Okay. Cool. So now I'm picturing what the weapon he's showing off with is like a. One of those like huge Chinese sabers, like nice. a dao. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. Yeah. what he's twirling around, mm. uh-huh. with one yeah. hand, just effortlessly, mm-hmm. and it goes like, <laughs> "Ah, talent scouts." <laughs> I guess is what he assumes. He's not very smart. <laughs> well, I'm already settled in, but let me show the youngsters how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real privilege for us. This is the ustad. Diamond tooth. Tours oh, yeah. diamond tooth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard about this. Yeah. Right. Okay. Then you then you must have heard <laughs> when I beat the crap out of that Faris Julika. <laughs> mm. And uh, and sir, how would you descri- how would you say uh <laughs> you beat the crap out of her? What advantages did you think that you had that over her that allowed you to get the, the upper hand here? <laughs> oh, that's easy. My strength, my muscles, and my rugged good looks, he says, and kisses his <laughs> oh biceps. Oh my god. Mm. <laughs> and we established also that the reason he's called Diamond Tooth is because uh-huh. he's trained himself to have, like... So, of course, he's got really, really nice teeth, and he's trained uh-huh. himself to always smile such that the light bounces off and goes yes. ding. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. I remember that. Ding! Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It makes that yeah. sound as well. And it's, it says, ding! Yeah. You have to pr- practice that technique. And I'm sorry to say, but like, you know, all those, all the curries you're eating, like, okay, man, oh, here's no. a name twig, okay? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm sure kind of looks away, brings out a little mirror and goes, oh, God, yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mr. Diamond Tooth, uh, what would you say your biggest we- weakness is? <laughs> You're just doing a job yeah. interview. <laughs> I mean, we, ha- we have established that apparently job <laughs> interviews are something we just do. Yes. Uh, so he, he goes Ustad, like... Ustad, Ustad, if I may, I think, if I may, your biggest weakness clearly is that there's only one of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a great answer! Wow, you're good at answering, kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, would you say would you say that you're a team player? <laughs> Me? No, there's no team in I. What a wonderful guy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. you love him? Haven't you just? You know, uh, yeah, absolutely fallen for him. Of course you have. Okay, <laughs> I think you should. I think you should make your roll now. This is, this is, val- this is a valuable intel betray, right? Here. Yes. Write all of those down. Yes. <laughs> now I'm picturing you just saying that in front of it too. Like this is valuable intel. Asking. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even realize what you're doing. He's just so busy being. <laughs> himself. He wouldn't okay. understand either way. Uh, <laughs> no. You're taking a dice from me, like I am assisting. Uh, yeah, you are. Um, and you're also taking a devil's bargain, so you have two bonus dice. Okay, so what's my position here? Risky? Uh, it's fortune. It's a downtime action, so right, we're just fortune. taking a talk. Okay. Somehow you're not risking anything by interviewing <laughs> this dangerous man. <laughs> I'm gonna roll fortune with three dice, then one for yep. survey, and Alright. Oh, okay. Five. Yeah. Cool. So two more ticks to challenging the falling star. You're g- learning good intel about them, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah. So progress is made on this. Someone tick it. You now have four ticks. And uh, with that, let's cut to Moss. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't seen you on screen for a while now. So what are you up to? Uh well I flagged I flagged that I was gonna relieve stress and that that was gonna be a whole thing. Yep. Because, well, I have taken the. I is it weird or is it faith? But it it doesn't matter. The yeah. my vice is a tree. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes, I I love this concept and I'm really excited to see it on screen. So, where is your tree? So, my tree. Um, one of the have we have we said what these trees are actually like? It's a it's a tree that would grow in the mangroves of Kethris. Yeah, I think um, we said it was like so, a mangrove willow type swamp tree. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they they glow because they have ghost energy in them, mm-hmm. um, and that's actually how she found this tree because she had some sort of job to do uh, on a construction site that was long abandoned. And she saw a glow that was like this kind of familiar greenish-bluish glow uh, coming from like under a house that was half constructed. And she followed it as she does now. to a basement that's flooded with rainwater. Mm. But yeah. it doesn't come from like a nice like a nice mangrove tree. Uh, this is not how they're supposed to look. 
it's mm-hmm. kind of like crouching in the corner, like some sort of like radioactive slug, like a like the elephant's foot, yeah. uh, Chernobyl thing. It's kind of like snarl of roots, but she tends to it, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's also how she's gonna indulge Vice, is that she's gonna. I guess maybe she prunes some of the like branches that have gotten too out of hand and are starting to turn back on themselves and rotting. Um, or maybe she makes sure that it has uh, that like no bad stuff gets into the, into the water. Yeah. It requires a lot of care, probably, because it's so small and stunted. You basically have on your hands a bonsai ancestor. Right. It yeah, I think it's a bit. Yeah, I think it's a bit bigger than a bonsai. I think it's yeah, like but, armchair sized, but yeah. it's definitely. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, on the subject of bonsais, just so that we remember, we established that our mother also has a little bonsai. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Does it speak to you? You think? Is it mute, or can you talk to the ghost inside? So normally in Kethris. I think there will she will have men, met ghosts and seen them just like walk around or like yeah. appear every now and then. But I think it's first of all a fairly rare occurrence. Yeah. Um, and also she can't speak to ghosts as if they are normal people. She does not have yeah. that ability. Yeah. Um, so I think it has not shown the ghosts have not shown themselves to her yet. But she is yeah. constantly like just kind of wondering whose ghost is in this tree and whose body is in its roots. Yeah, perfect. So it's an enigma to you. You don't understand very Mm -hmm. much about it. Uh, So you prune it and you tend to it in privacy. So I guess there's not much more to do than to make the roll. Like it's it's Uh, very cool. Yeah, making that roll. Where is it? Four, which means I overindulge. So maybe now something happens. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so normally you pick an option from a list of of mm-hmm. overindulgence, but uh, I think it's cooler to like do this ad hoc. Sure. Uh, but I will, I will give you an option. So you have the uh, the plus two heat attract trouble from an entanglement, or being lost for a few weeks, or losing access to your vice purveyor. I don't know if any of these make sense. Maybe the attract trouble. Like an additional entanglement. So I will give you the option of picking. If you don't want to, I will just say what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there is a possibility with like a tree that's filled with ghosts that either it's going to attract trouble or I'm losing access to it for a while because the ghosts come out and do something or do something. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's interesting to have you lose access to your vice purveyor right away. I think it's Definitely more interesting not. going in the other direction. So you overindulge. <laughs> And I think, yeah, this time, for whatever reason, you spend, I think what happens is you spend some time with the tree and you fall asleep by it. You were just kind of like laying down to rest a little bit. And then, you know, resting turns to sleep. And uh, in this sort of vulnerable state, something in the tree reaches out to you. And uh, it's uh, so you're dreaming, basically, this interaction. You're not not sure if it's happening or not, but you hear... In this half sleep, uh, in this half state of dream, you hear it say, wait, wait, who, you're not, you're not my mother? 
I'm afraid I'm not, no. I, but I'm I'm here. I she was she was supposed to be here with me. I don't she used to sing to me. I'm cold. I'm cold. I uh, do, how did you get here? Do, do you need help finding her? I, I I think I died. I think I think I died here in the dark. Why am I still here? Because and I think she doesn't know what to say. She's also very distraught because, you know, ghosts scary. I think she, even yeah. in this dream, there is this kind of like thump of panic mm-hmm. um, that kind of hangs in the background. Mm-hmm. There's a tree that's keeping you. What? That's preserving you. What? No, that... No, this, they talked about this in the, in the old country. I, I've never been. I've never been. I, I'm from Uduasha. I, where's my mother? She would know this. My mother's supposed to know this. She would tell me. And uh, yeah, what you're learning in this moment is that this poor ancestor tree is Kethrisy, but not, not someone who knows Kethris. You have, uh, you have found ah. a wayward. Right. Interesting. And mm. also this poor person. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, does does this dream go on or does she wake up from it at some point? I think this is basically where you, uh, where you wake up from it. Yeah. And you have learned this slightly unsettling th- thing that your tree is alone. And so I don't think you're precisely cut off. Uh, I don't think there's any other consequence to this other than learning part of the story of the tree. And you will have to yes, work excellent. to uncover more of it. Wonderful. And uh, um, if you don't, there may be trouble down the line, right? Let's write that down. The tree is lonely. Uh, cool. Got it. Yeah. My other downtime action, she's, she's going to leave eventually, even though it kind of pains her in this moment, I think. Um, she's going to find Birodi. And now we have all sort each other out it's in like a circle. Uh, finding Bidrohi, okay? Sorry, Bidrohi. Uh, yeah. yeah. Where, where could he be found? And that's the question. May, I, may I drop a bombshell? Yes. I think I am in the guest house and I am crouched over the little bonsai tree that we have. So to describe it, it's uh, it's some mud from the old country. And there's a little bonsai. And mm-hmm. it's been grafted with some bark from an ancestor tree. And I'm tending to it. And that's not the bombshell. We've established that we have this. Uh, but what I'd like to reveal is that I am hel- I am tending to it. And I'm showing our little sister how to do it. What? You have a yeah. little sister? Why not? Uh-huh. Love it. 
Okay. How old is she? Exactly. How little are we talking? I think quite little. Um, eight, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I just like the idea of there being another one, mm-hmm. another sibling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to name her? I I don't really have a name in my head at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, Tree's good at this. Is Tree's here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm here. Um. Do you have a gender in mind? If not, I will make one up. Uh, sister. Oh, sister. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. How about... Unfortunately, so many of the names that are popping through my head are people I know in real life, which is fine, because they're never going to listen to this. Uzra. Uzra. Mm-hmm. I was Uzra. going to wonder if she's named in the tradition of Moonlit and Moss. Or if she's named more in the tradition of Bidrohi. Ah, interesting. I think that, like, this is your full sibling, right? Bidrohi? Yeah, so yeah. I think in that case, yeah, she's named in this tradition and not that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her name is Uzra. Okay. Interesting. So I am... Yeah, I think Uzra is a curious, intelligent child, but also... Probably quite like stay at home, quite like, I mean, she's just eight, of course, but like, she's not like, you know, highly precocious, like uh, running around all over the place. She's like calm and steady. Uh, so I'm teaching her how to properly clip the bonsai. And I don't think I notice you come in, uh, Moss, because that's, you're good at that, right? Yeah, true. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I'm like, just kind of. I'm not purposely sneaking up, but I tend to scare people when I start talking out of the blue. Um, And I think she'll say, and it's very important to make sure it's not lonely. What? Yeah, Uzra says, and she looks up and not. Is that true? She says, looking to be dreamy. Of course, of course it's true. And it's not lonely. It has, we're taking care of it, and you're here, and you're taking care of it. You will always take good care of this tree. Because mother brought it back from the old country, and she loves it very much. I am establishing a thing about Usra, which is that she's savvy enough to know that both of you have your own viewpoints on things. So whenever one of you tells her something, she will always ask the other older sibling if it's true. Yeah, and my take on it is that I have no particular relationship to this tree beyond that. It's something that's important to my mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why it's important to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she nods and will say like, "Okay, I understand. Can I try now?" Yes, of course. And I hand her the clippers. Uh, and I think we will see that she has a very steady hand, and she will do exactly as instructed. But it will take a very long time. She's very very careful. So as she should there be. is this like long moment where you guys can talk while she is. Slowly and carefully measuring her cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll sit next to you guys on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So curious. Uh, I assume. So of course, like you knew I was born. Like that was a big part of why you had to go away the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you aware of Uzra before you showed up to Dosha? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Hmm. How that? How did that go? How How did that feel? Um, I think she has told herself that it doesn't matter. Um, partially because she thinks it shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. 
um, and that she has no right to care about it. But obviously she does. And yep. she feels like, well, this family has well and truly moved on without her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's why I made us, we of course like made space for you to sit between us. Yes, that's very sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you? But she'll, she'll ask, like, have you told mother yet? I was thinking about how to say it. Because, well, it's quite a lot to suddenly spring on her. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I don't know how she would feel about it. I mean, you know, she she used to own quite a bit i think in the and i'm a bit awkward because i know that's a huge like like it's very fraught with you and the land mm -hmm. and her but of course for me it was more like i have literally no memory or connection to any of that so i think like in bidro's head like the fact that so much happened because of this land it must have been like pretty sizable whereas it was in fact just a small plot of land yeah so he's like you know she used to own uh, quite a lot of land i mean you know obviously all about that so i don't know what her feeling would be with being recognized as a landowner especially the other thing is she we weren't like you know gentlemen family no far and, from it yeah and i i've heard her talk about them and i don't think she likes them so now we are officially sort of gentlemen Kind of, I don't know. Um, as far as I am concerned, we have, we are holding the gentleman's tools, but that does not make us gentlemen. I know, I know, and there's so much more that comes with that. Of course, like it's not mm -hmm. just enough to have a piece of paper. You also have to have, I don't know, force and wealth and guns and all those kinds of things to stake your claim. But yes, I, I, and I think like he's a bit rambling at the moment because he really doesn't know how his mother would take it. And I think like this is also a different side of Bidri. Like not just, aha, sex. <laughs> but you know, actual mythos mm -hmm. and so on. So yeah. I think he's, I think when he's not just putting on the show, he's a little bit um, unclear what, what he should be doing. So I think he's looking at you for guidance. I I think it will be helpful if we put it to her that that way. That we are not we're not planning to become like them, right? I'm not. I but, don't think I don't think we could become like them. No. But we have something that makes people treat us a little bit different and that can be useful. That can be good, in fact, for all of us. Mm -hmm. I think Bidrho is like looking at the bonsai and then he turns to you and says, do you think she ever wants to go back to that land? And he asks you as though you know anything about what she is like these days, whereas he should know better. Yeah. 
but like you have also seen that land and he doesn't remember it so there's a bit of like i know i know something but you don't you know something i don't neither was really knows she shrugs and says i don't think she can it's not the same land mm-hmm. you go back to the same spot and make it look like it used to but that's that's going to be the work of generations mm-hmm. and Bidra is just looking at the plant and i don't know if you can tell just by the way he's looking at it or from his line of thinking but like now we have paper that says we are entitled to land maybe something can be done with that mm-hmm. maybe but yeah, for now, I think like he's ready to go talk to our mother. Like, if that's, that's what you're angling for, of course, right? Uh, I was here. Well, that's not really a downtime action, as okay. far as I'm concerned. I was okay. here for something else, but I, I imagine we can do that like afterwards in the free play. Yeah. Okay. So, do we move on to the downtime action. I think this is still yes. like, a very cool discussion to have, but yeah. Uh, I, think... I was, I was going to lead into it. Mm hmm. If if you want to interject a thought, please do. Oh no, I was just thinking. Since Uzra has the shears, the little shears for the bonsai, mm-hmm. whether we should just leave her with the shears or kind of like I think she's done by now. You've been okay. talking for a while, so she is okay. like. I okay. think at this point she interrupts you basically. She goes like, "Look, I made the cut," and she has done an absolutely flawless job. It just took her forever to do it because she was so hesitant. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and I encourage her to actually uh, show uh, Moss. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she will show you, and then she will tell her, tell Mother about it and all that. But mm-hmm. let us go on with what Moss was actually here for. And then probably you can't talk to Moonlit right now because she is yes. busy with stuff. Yeah. I know, I in fact, do. what she is busy with. We will end the session on that, I think. But okay. uh, let's do Moss's downtime action first. So. But now that we have uh, now that we have that tool, um, I don't know how to use it yet, and I think you know better than I. I I don't know how to talk to people. I know how to talk to people. I don't know how to talk to people in Uduashia very well yet. And you know a lot of things about the cut of someone's jacket and what that says about them, um, right? And Bidre kind of leans forward and taps the side of his nose and says, the important thing, sister, is to make them think you know better than them about the jacket. You're right, of course. That is that is always the... That's almost always the answer. What I'm trying to do here is just like sway training, but I, I think it's uh, it's represented by talking to, B- to Bidrehi about yeah. About mm-hmm. what it's like, how these like power structures in Uduashia work and how people interact and trying mm-hmm. to get a better idea of that. Yeah. And I think Bidre's advice largely stems on the idea that it's mostly, I mean, obviously there's a core of actual power and privilege, like actual papers and nobility and all that. But in our world, with like, obviously with people like Al Qadir and and like dealing with Omid and all that, where there's no actual authority as such. It's much more important to fake it and yeah. 
be really confident such that you can sway people around your reality. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. I mean, we have established that Uduasha is a place with highly dysfunctional paperwork, right? So actually checking if someone is licensed for something takes forever. It's better to just trust whoever has the right vibes. It's just so much faster, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's all about cultivating the vibes. Uh-huh. Like you would right. a bonsai. Okay, that's me yes. done. Yeah. Yeah. Sway training. All right, wonderful. So let's end on a, just a quick scene with Moonlit. And I don't think we'll even have time for the full discussion. But uh, remind me of her personality again. What is she like, your mother? Um, world wise and piercing and devout. That's the tags. And muscular. And muscular. Yes. <laughs> She's a large woman. Yeah, very well. So. And she runs this boarding house, which entails, you know, doing upkeep on the house, doing, like, she's a landlady, right? And probably, <laughs> does she also serve meals at this boarding house? Is that a thing? Like, making breakfast for people? or? I think so. Yeah. Some, a lot of boarding houses do, right? You get some, like, basic communal meals included. Yeah, yeah. And so, what, uh, what surprises you as you return towards your mother, who you know is busy with the meal planning, is that it smells good. She's making some... Some like much nicer meal than usual, which stands out a little bit to you. Interesting. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and you see that she has already given the, uh, she's already handed out like the usual fare to her usual tenants. Like people don't all eat at the same time, right? She cooks up a big pot of something. She like, you know, people come, they eat from it. They, it's included in the rent or whatever. Um, but yeah, she's in the kitchen. And it smells nicer than usual. And uh, so you walk in, and I suppose you see her, this muscular, tall woman with very piercing eyes. And she looks um, focused and a little bit concerned. And okay. uh, she, yeah, she says like, oh, Bidruhi, you're back. How's the tree? Hmm? How is it? Oh, the trees? Very well, and Usra made a beautiful cut, which I'm sure she described to you in copious amounts of detail. Uh, yes, she did. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose you may as well eat. We have guests, she says, and she looks very pointedly at Bidruhi, as if she expects you to know about this. Of course, the guests are coming, and uh, I was just... Uh, and we also have sister visiting as well, and I gesture towards Moss, yeah. who... I yeah. don't know if my mother is intentionally ignoring her or my mother has just not noticed her. She, Yeah, I think she has not noticed her because she is apparently like busy looking at, at you, Bidri. But then she looks up yeah. at Moss and her expression softens a little because I think, you know, you're you're still her child. And I, what is the dynamic between you? Do you think she feels guilty for leaving you behind? Mm. I, I think I think so. I think yeah. she... It was definitely a conflicted yeah. like, decision, so right? She, when she sees you have entered, she's just like, oh, Moss, I, I'm so sorry. So occupied with other things. Please, you sit, eat. You have done nothing wrong, my child. Just enjoy. Just enjoy. Mm. And Pedruhi. I think Pedruhi okay. <laughs> notices that you have done yeah. nothing wrong. Mm. Yeah. The most dangerous uh-huh. statement a parent can make yeah. to a different yes. sibling who is not you. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she she looks at you Bidri, she's about to say something and then the door opens from one of the guest rooms and the woman saunters into the room and goes oh there you are 
Hi, darling. And it's Mumtaz, your Rafiq friend. Wonderful. Excellent. <laughs> now I don't have to rent a room to have sex in. Yes, this is the woman you had a one-night stand with, and I told your mom about it. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I... Oh. I, w- I really wish. I really wish <laughs> I could say that this is the first time that happened. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's an excellent scene to end the, the session yes. on. Here close the doors to the house of endings. Those who dwell within are Sohem, called Chloe, Adiat, called Soap, Samitri, called Tree, and Emma. I have been Prince, your host. Our city of Uduasha is based on Blades in the Dark by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions, with special thanks to Johnstone Metzger. Follow us on Twitter or support us on ko-fi.com slash desperateattune. If you want to engage further with us, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash desperateattune, where you will get our newsletter, extra content, and updates from Uduasha. the next episode of Desperate Tune. Speaking of Bidruhe and his manners. Okay, okay, baby cakes, it was very nice to see you. Now, please, uh, uh-huh. it's, it's very, we have to, we are going to have like a very important guest coming over and uh, so sorry you couldn't stay for dinner and uh, I'm sure next time you can see my little sister as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like getting her shawl and so on. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she says like, oh, very important, like eight coin important. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> please tell me what you know and please tell me now. <laughs>